Hey everyone, it's Sensei Victoria Whitfield here, your journey partner in business, welcoming you back to episode 176 of the Journeypreneur podcast. This is your source for channel holistic stress management techniques, guidance, inspiration, and motivation to stay on your path to rapid financial ascension and massive impact as a conscious entrepreneur. Mm. So in this podcast episode, I have an amazing friend and my own freaking disability goddess that I get to share with you. Her name is Wanda Toro Torini. You can find her at catchwords.com. That's like catch up, but without the up. So K E T H words.com. And her technology, as well as her killer strategy, is completely changing the game. Welcome to the podcast, goddess. Yeah, finally, it happened to me. I'm on Vic. Victoria's podcast. <laughs> yes! <laughs> I love it. Oh my God, and I love you. I'm, oh my gosh, and I love the 90s. Oh, thank you for that. It just touched me in a very special place that I'm so grateful. Mo for. Moment of silence. All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Oh my gosh. So, oh, you. <laughs> You're amazing. Oh. And so I know you're amazing. You know I'm amazing. We are both two visionaries that are coming together here and we know mm. we're fabulous. That's clear and established between <laughs> the two of us. And this may be the very first time that someone's getting to see you, hear about you, or hear about what you do in the world. So, Goddess, if you could share with us in your own words what exactly it is what you do, but especially the three things that you're known for. Oh, one, two, three. Hmm. So, thank you so much for having me. I've, I've been super excited about the the prospect of finally being on your show and it's here so i'm very excited but um thank you for letting me share share my story so what we do here at catch is we love to help those service-minded impact driven experts right people who love to share their expertise whether it's through speaking um media interviews podcast tv radio right those folks that love to impact an audience and we help them finally connect with their anonymous fans okay this is really important because every time we show up there are always people in the audience that are intrigued by our message and they just never connect with us the way we desire. And I, you know, I could get into this later, but that's the primary, that's my primary focus and really helping those folks that want to impact an audience and, and, and stop losing those anonymous fans. And so if I were to say the three things that I'm, what did you ask? Is it that I'm brilliant at or I don't know. That too, three things that you're known for, goddess. Bam, 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 right? So what I'm known for is one, helping those those service-minded experts actually finally connect with those anonymous fans, right? Um, through the process, I, 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 and we'll talk about it, I invented the texting technology and the platform that this is based on, but I'm also really known for my marketing experience and, and acumen, I guess. I mean, I love being a visionary marketer, right? And I love being able to... Um, to decipher somebody's message and really kind of uh, bring it down and, and laser focus it. And, and we do it as part of our, our catch program. But what I found is that I just love sitting in, in that space. And sometimes, well, not sometimes, almost like 90% of the time, the work that we do with our clients actually winds up transforming somebody's entire marketing approach, which is super satisfying as well. So that would be the number two, the marketing acumen. And then I'm also known for being super nerdy. I like to call myself the nerdy girl entrepreneur. <laughs> um, that's just who I am. And, and I think it's important for people to understand like my background. I have a doctorate in pharmacy. I'm super analytical. And so with that, and I know we bonded over the, like the super nerdydom. <laughs> And it's yeah, important because everything that I do is driven uh, based on 
metrics and analysis and evaluation, right? So although I may be like super peppy, hypey or whatever, it's, it really comes down to ROI and the metrics and the numbers and why I can be so excited about introducing catchwords in, into the world. So I would say those are the, the three things that <laughs> makes it fun. Yes, goddess. Oh my goodness. And I, I am just emerging into an awareness of how sexy metrics are. Like, ooh, <laughs> ooh conversion. Oh, baby. <laughs> Talk to me about numbers. <laughs> I love you so much. I can't. <laughs> we have way too much fun, guys. Like, this is just like a little glimmer of what like our, our Zoom calls are like. So now you get to like peek behind the curtain and be like, ooh, these are like crazy. Yeah, yeah, and crazy good. I'd rather have crazy good than boring. And we are anything but that whenever we get together. And goddess, you create magic. You were like really kind of pulling back when you were saying, oh, 90% of the time it changes that none and all, all of the percent of the time. <laughs> I'm super analytical, so I have to kind of leave a little space. Yeah. I mean, I can tell you as someone who's working through your program myself, right? And we've been working together. You've been in my program. I've been, I'm in yours. And so like working through your problem, like I'm getting transformation watching this freaking video and filling out a piece of paper, mm. right? Just completely Yay. changing the course of, of our content. And so here's the thing. Um, I don't know if like in kindergarten when the teacher was coming around and there was little Wanda saying like, all right, what do you want to be when you grow up? And you're like, I am a visibility goddess. <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah. So like, I'm curious, what inspired you to, to really come onto this path, especially with catch, like, and, it's, and the word is like an interest, like for those of you who are watching the stream, you can see how it's spelled and even, even. So like, how did you get onto this path with catch words? Like what inspired you on your journey in the first place? Was there an epiphany or did something happen? I'm curious. Ooh, gosh, I feel like it was a series of epiphanies. So, um, I mean, to kind of rewind, I, I started my company in 2005 and I worked in, in large corporation, pharmaceutical, the pharmaceutical industry. And what I recognize now as, as in working with you is that what I felt was, a, I was plagued with um, is really being a visionary. But back then it was just, it was frustrating because literally I couldn't see like I would see a situation that needed improvement and literally it was like download. Okay. Situation. Let, let's, let's fix, fix this or whatever. And, um, that was really annoying to people in the corporate world. Right. And my intention was to fix things and make things better. But even though they kind of say, Oh, it's continuous improvement environment or whatever, like eh, there's only, it's like only so much. Right. Um, and, um, and so I was very fortunate that my, my company really did support my innovation and they really tried to like every two years, I was like launching a new product or, or working on a different project. So that was helpful, but it wasn't enough. Right. And, um, and in certain cases, being a little bit too visionary was like actually kind of hurting my career because I was rubbing some people the wrong way, right? And it, my intention wasn't to say like, what you're doing sucks. It was just to say, hey, well, we could do it better. But with the political game, you know, it, it, it was tough. And, and I probably could have learned a little bit better about how to communicate that. But being super passionate about it, like my focus was like, this can be done better, right? So I finally started my own business in 2005. And the, the objective was to incubate a lot of these visionary ideas that I had and actually create sustainable businesses out of them. So just to give the, like, I, you know, I've done a lot of things in the past over 15 years, but the true epiphany that started me on this, this journey was it was June of 2007. And I'm at this large medical conference, like 50,000 attendees. I'm there as an exhibitor for like one of my other <laughs> 
product. And um, at the end of the conference, they're literally collecting all of the paper brochures, white papers, like all of the printed materials from that conference in the center of McCormick Place in Chicago. So if anybody's been there, it's a humongous like Javits Center like like place. And it was a human climbable mountain of paper. And I was like, oh, they must be recycling this or whatever. So literally a full-size dump truck is backing in like boop, boop. And I'm like, wait, I got to ask this guy, <laughs> are they recycling this? And I wasn't even like a naturally like I don't want to say naturally like crunchy. I was eco aware, you know, but this was disturbing enough. I was like, wait a second, I have to find out. So he's like, no, it's just cheaper to throw this out than to send the materials back to the warehouse. And I was like, wait a second, this is weird. This is a, 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 a problem, right? Threefold, right? As a pharmaceutical marketer and sales executive, I knew the hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars we spent on printing materials. And I know as an attendee, we've all experienced that, right? As an attendee, picking up these materials and then ultimately winding up throwing them out in the garbage anyway. And then, um, and then realizing that there are no metrics. Like there, you know, you print all these materials, you don't, know if they wind up in the garbage or if they wind up being red. Um, and actually I'll throw a fourth thing, obviously not eco-friendly, <laughs> right? So um, so being a super nerdo visionary person immediately, I was like, I, like I couldn't help it. I'm like, oh, this has to be solved. And that day on the exhibit floor in June of 2007, I said, it's called Ecofiles because it's an eco-friendly way of getting these files of information. But you're on mute, by the way. I don't know if that's part purposeful. <laughs> because otherwise people hear me shouting and clamping and like, <laughs> like they're trying to pay attention. And so I'm trying to make sure everyone can pay attention. I'm like, I see her like popping around and clapping. <laughs> I'm like, hell yes, save the trees, please. Oh my goddess. And yeah. breaking. The human climbable mound of like just not yeah. only the amount of um like the amount of paper and you know forest that's been wasted, but also like hundreds of millions of dollars possibly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like hundreds of thousands. Yeah. And it's and you know, obviously on an entrepreneurial level, like we we spend less than that, but we do spend money. It's kind of like the standard thing. It's like, oh, I'm gonna print a thousand or five hundred pieces of this and that or whatever. Really not knowing, it's just kind of like a standard thing we do, not knowing whether it's even worth it to to spend that money, right? So uh, and now you know, we're talking about and we are getting back to that where we're doing face-to-face -face and exhibits and such. So it's it's all you know uh relevant there, but my focus, since I worked for a large corporation, my focus in for the first 10 years of my business was always corporate clients. So, so my thought was, okay, I have to solve this. So that's 2007. It took us around two years to explore different technologies on how we're going to deliver this content in an eco-friendly way. Like, do we build an app? Do we use QR codes or near-field technology and all this stuff? And we actually settled on texting purposefully because it was super simple. It was ubiquitous, meaning no matter what kind of phone, clamshell, smartphone, right? If you were global or in the US, everybody, you didn't have to teach people how to text, right? So it's very purposeful. And then on the back end, we're like, we'll build the complexity, but let the on entrance point be just texting. And so we built this platform called Ecofiles, allows people to text a keyword and then voila, you know, you get a text saying, hey, check your email. You get a nicely designed like HTML email, professionally designed, and you get an attachment. So this is what's still unique to this day, actually. Um, that little paper clip that you get in an email inherently when somebody requests something or sees an email, we all know when you see that little paper clip, you're like, oh, hey, <laughs> I need to open that, right? And um, 
So that was purposeful for us. Obviously we could create an email with a link in it, but, but I said, no, I want it to be really prioritized. And it takes a lot for us to figure out how do we get through spam filters and, and stuff to make sure that it is delivered and stuff like that, right? Nerded out, of course, on all of that. 2009, we're finally ready to launch and I'm going into these large companies saying you could be eco-friendly and look at the money you can spend and whatever, or you could save. And um, they're like, wow, this looks really cool, but only children text. And I was like, no. <laughs> no. it was heartbreaking. It was like, but guys, I, I would spend half an hour of each talk, just uh, of each like presentation, just talking about the metrics and how adults were starting to text more, you know, their children are texting. So adults will be texting their children and then the grandparents will be texting. And like, it's, this is gonna be a fast trend. So let's get on it. And nada, nothing, Ugh, crushing. And um, so it was just, clearly, you know, way too early. And I just put it on the digital shelf and was, this was tough for me of all the things that I worked on, the things I created and such. I, I knew like this was transformational. Like I, I had all these different ways, like to use these, these keywords in, in, in TV ads, on billboards, on, you know, any printed ad, right? Like we're just sending people somewhere else that like, so it, like in my mind, I was thinking about how, how it could work beyond um, being eco-friendly, but I just couldn't get traction. And so I put it away for a little bit and I can consider, con continue doing the things I was doing. And one of them was um, consulting for the pharmaceutical industry. And um, fast forward to 2011, where I was really kind of focusing on being visible more. And um, I would notice at these industry conferences that the large consulting firms that I was competing against, like PricewaterhouseCoopers, Deloitte & Touche, KPMG, like the really big guys, they were on stage talking about the thing, right? And honestly, the people that they put on stage weren't the experts. It was so frustrating, you know, it, it, it was like, what are these guys talking about? Like you could tell as the expert, I it could tell they didn't know. They were just like one of the guys that was like on the team and like, you're going to Vegas to, you know, this time and, and whatever. And so I'm like, I need to get on stage because for those of you listening, what's important about being visible is that those people were perceived to be experts because they were on stage. Yeah, <laughs> I need your I need your volume. <laughs> that is so right. I'm, I can't even contain. I'm like, are you kidding me? Just because they're on stage, just because they're on camera, just because they're on the podcast, mm -hmm. just because they're on they're on the thing, on, they're on the pedestal. Then that means they're elevated. Yeah. Uh, just because they're wearing the lab coat means that you need to do everything they say. Mm -hmm. And this is like important human behavior to understand. And so I get clearly like, look at my face. I get really passionate about this because for years, I was the nerdy tinkerer right? That was just like, oh, I'm going to do all the things in the back or, or, or whatever. And like, I wish people knew like how much I knew. And, and then I'd be like watching those people like, I know more than them. But I'm like, and what are you doing? You're going to like, you're running an exhibit booth. How are people, it, it, that's not an efficient use of your expertise. It's not a, a, a the appropriate platform for your expertise. And so I'm like, all right, looks like I got to get on stage. I got to get on that stage and, and teach because in, in that world, you, you know, you couldn't sell from stage. It was all about um, education. Um, even though those folks, I, I felt like their presentations were kind of empty because they didn't have in-depth ability to, you know, navigate the audience and such. But anyway, so I ask the, <laughs> she's laughing at me. I'm like, <laughs> but I mean, we all feel it right. As experts, that frustration when you're like, ugh, ugh, 
oh, I could do better, right? Oh, yeah. Somebody get them off the mic. Put the real singer on stage. They're just yeah. destroying the song. Yeah. yeah. But shame on us for not taking the mic, for not creating, for, for being like, when I wish I, I was on that stage. When uh, I mean, nowadays, you can create your own platform, right? You could create your own stage. And then it creates the momentum for people to see you. And then you could go on other people's stages. So I'm going to, yeah, I could go on a soapbox there, right? Like, but um, so I decided that I'm going to invest in this. And so I approached the, the producers of the event and I said, well, you know, what does it take for me to get on stage? I have a lot of value to offer. And they said, oh, sure. You can sponsor at the X level for $10,000. I was like, I have to pay $10,000 to speak. Now, by the way, I never knew that though they, those people were paying the attendees didn't know that those people were paying. Right. So they still had the perception of being like invited as the guests, not knowing that they paid for that slot. So I had to like, yeah, I had to resolve my frustration. Victoria, you made the perfect face, right? I was like, all right, calm yourself down. This is the game. Are you ready to pay $10,000 to be in front of this audience? And it's very difficult as an entrepreneur, right? Like these are the big guys, right? They're paying $10,000. They're like, psh, psh, psh. Like they're not even thinking about it. They're sending the wrong person to, to represent them. Technically, it's a very inefficient process. But for me, I couldn't, I couldn't afford for it to be inefficient. I needed a guaranteed ROI. So I'm brainstorming and then I'm like, wait a second, I have eco files. Um, so what if I just offer, like, I know I'm teaching and I always had really good slides. They were chock full of information. We've all been in the situation where people are taking damn pictures of your slide. <laughs> and you're like, I wish I knew who that person was. I will never be the same ever since you pointed this out to me, by the way. I cannot tell you how many uh, live events, you know, transformational retreats for like masterminds, group coach and all these types of stuff, all the internet hackers coming together mm. and someone's speaking on stage and they're killing it. And there go everyone like, yeah, anonymous like, fan. Yeah. And I'm like, I need a Wanda. I need Wanda. I need Wanda. Because this is so frustrating. I'm trying to look at everyone's like, yeah. Yeah. And, and so it's like that frustration. And what, what do we do? We hope, right. The, tr the traditional calls to action are like, oh, follow me on, on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Right. So one, the problem with that is that if they follow you, you have no idea, you have no way of segmenting them. Were they like a random follower or were they somebody that was already primed because they had the opportunity to actually get to know and like you through an appearance? nothing. They fall into this pool. At least you kind of capture them in the follower pool, but they fall into a pool, into a pool with other followers. You can't differentiate them. And, you know, unfortunately those are hot prospects. They're not the cool people. Those are the, those are the people that, well, they're cool, but in a different way, right. But um, they're the people that are already got warmed up by your presence and they were intrigued by your education. Right. So you want to segment them, right? So that's the problem with that. Then the other thing is like, oh, email me. How many, literally, I want to know how many people actually had somebody email them as a result of a presentation. Because I've given a lot of presentations. I could not even think of one person that said, oh, I loved your presentation. I emailed you. And, and if you got it, that's great. But it's a low, low percentage, right? Then the third thing is, I welcome you to come and talk to me at my booth or, you know, we have 10 minutes before the next session come up, right? Then you get the chatty person, that first person that's like, oh my God, that was so great. And then you have the line of people and you're like side-eyeing, like I want to talk to those people. And that person takes up the whole damn 10 minutes and then they walk away and you're like, come back, come back. It could have been like a connection. <laughs> This is a disaster, and I'm loving every piece of this. <laughs> right? Bring it on the head. This is so 
deliciously painful. <laughs> exactly. I was going to say, okay, let's all take a moment to breathe through the fact that we've probably all experienced all of that. Yeah. Like so frustrating. One of my clients said, it literally feels like I'm a one night stand. Like everybody's like, oh my God, that was so amazing. I loved you, whatever. And you're like, woo, I'm going to get some action. And then you get like no second dates. totally perfect oh you do like the walk of shame you're like yes, oh my God. i invested so much of myself my time my energy and everything to be here and all like to get everyone riled up and excited and pumped and then it's like crickets yep and then there's um even i know for me when i've done presentations with the crickets afterwards many many times i and the thing is you're super dynamic so that's that's even more of a crash because you feel the energy right like you're presenting you see the glimmer in somebody's eye like the energy da, 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 and then you're like "Woo, that was good and yeah yeah let me go lick my wounds <laughs> yeah. and then you do it again why because it's like the standard thing well i have to show up but yep. there's no metrics so um i'm sorry i'm just like <laughs> you better stay on that soapbox and dance girl i'm here to watch yeah. oh. <laughs> no, i'm super passionate about it because i couldn't afford to lose that right i couldn't afford to lose those opportunities and so i said okay i'm going to use my catch word and just offer my slides i'm just going to test it out and i'll offer my slides and if people felt like they were valuable, then maybe they'll text and, you know, so this is an audience of 300 people. I offer my, my keyword at that point, it was just the eco falls keyword and 25% of my audience text for my slide. That's well over 75 people. That was more leads than I had gotten in the past three years exhibiting at that same freaking conference in one presentation. What? Oh my God. Yeah. Well worth the $10,000. Totally. Right. Um, and I was like, wait a second, of course, cause I, I'm super analytical. I'm like, shit, if I got 25% the first time, <laughs> let's analyze the heck out of this and see how we can improve performance. Right. So over the next, like, probably 18 months to, to two years, I kept on improving how I was using it, right? I, I started testing like, oh, do I offer the keyword in the beginning, in the end, in the middle, maybe all of it, like when's the right time? How do I tweak my presentation so that it's, it frames and it sets up like the appetite for that, right? Like now I'm gonna make slides that like people don't want to just take a picture of like they want them they they want that that thing that reference right um maybe instead of just my slides i offer an additional guide or a checklist that nobody else can get you can't get it anywhere else except today for this presentation by texting my keyword so all the this is like pre-lead magnet by the way right i was just trying to make things more connected and more and serve the audience better right because the better i served them the better i understood like if i that that was part of the thing like if i strategize and understand okay who exactly what do i want to sell okay who exactly in that audience is going to want that now what i say is going to be really tailored to culling out those people it's like a fishing expedition right um I don't necessarily want to get everybody. I want to get the right people because then I can nurture them appropriately. So after doing that, I was able to consistently get 76% of my audience texting every time I spoke. So it wasn't like, oh, one time I was like, wait, I want to make sure that this isn't a one-off. Like how is this a system that's working or not consistently? That's incredible. Yeah, that's over. So to quantify over 200 leads per talk, I happily paid 10,000 bucks. Like I would have other entrepreneurs that were at these conferences saying, I don't, how do you afford 
to keep paying that. This is ridiculous. Like they were frustrated because they're like the big guys have the stage. They can't. How, how are you staying on stage? I'm like, I'm getting 200 qualified leads that heard my message, downloaded, received my content. And by the way, on average, open my content 150%, which our email, our average email open rate. That means on average, the subscriber will open it up 1.5 times. Wait, wait. I know, does it make sense? A little bit more slowly so I can just take in that number. Okay. So what that means, yeah, uh, because I know, you know, in email, like you don't typically go over a hundred percent. What does that mean? No, so, it's like 12%, 12 to 20% <laughs> is the industry standard last I checked. I know. And so when I looked at it, I was like, uh, is there something wrong with this? Right. And what we realized is 150% means that on average, that person that received it will open it up 1.5 times. And now when you think about it, it makes sense, right? You really intrigued them. They text, they check their phone. They're like, Ooh, this is cool. And if it's intriguing enough, right? That first impression is very important because then when they get back to their desktop computer, then they'll consume that content. Mm. If the first time they're like, um, all right. Then when they see it on their desktop, they're probably not going to really open it up again. They're like, oh, I know what that was, but that wasn't that great. Right. So this is a really important number because it actually tells you whether you served your audience really well. And, and uh, yeah, it's really super cool. And when, when I, you know, fast forward, when I, when I've worked with corporate clients who have multiple keywords and now they're called catchwords, um, We've had like one of our clients that was in the healthcare industry, one of their catchwords had an open rate of 611%. And we literally were like, what's going on? Like, did something break again? Because it didn't make sense. Like, why would somebody open up an email like six times on, on average, by the way? And what we realized is that that particular content was serving a really, uh, a community of a rare blood disorder and it was content that like, they were an underserved community. So the content was actually about connecting to community. So it gave them so much information. They're like, holy crap, these people are starving for connection. And we realized that what people were doing, they were sharing it with other people. And that's what was giving us those, those numbers. And it was really powerful versus some of their things had a 200% open rate. So they were able to actually see of all of those pieces of content, what was resonating most. And that was like super powerful um, too. But I mean, reverse back to, <laughs> to, to me using it. I was just like, whoo, I'm just happy. Now as an entrepreneur, I don't have time to be like all over the place. It's, it's very exhausting to manage a lot of content, mm -hmm. right? And um and so I wound up being able to really focus and say, all right, for me, the plan that worked was to present twice a year at this highly targeted, right? Because if 76% of my audience is texting, that means it's a really good audience, right? And sometimes 20% is an awesome number because it's a very general audience. And, and at least you plucked out the people that are your ideal prospects, right? But in this case, like the entire audience was like ideal for me. So now I plucked out the 76% that were like hot. And um, so I said, I'm, I'm just going to do this twice a year. I'm going to rack up 400 plus leads a year. And then my job is to, is to nurture them. And so through that process, I built that company to $4.2 million in revenue, which was super cool. <laughs> yeah. I, I gotta, I have to interject in here. Like, my brain is starting to hurt, not because <laughs> of the numbers, but because of the implications of what you're saying. I just want to really ground mm -hmm. the importance of all of what you just shared, because like, I am very aware of um, one of the biggest things facing journeypreneurs right now is not enough clients. I don't have enough clients. I don't have enough clients. One of our mentors used to say having the, I don't have enough client sweats. I always wondered if it was menopause when she was talking. 
but there's there's this very unique kind of sweats that you get where you're like, I don't have enough clients. Um, and where do clients come from? Clients come from leads. Yeah. Being able to have qualified leads, not just, and what is a lead? It is someone who has raised their hand and said, I want some of that. Mm-hmm. It's not just the people out there. It's not followers. It's not all the people on your list or anything like that. It's you've said, I have a this, and they raised their hand and I said, I want some of that. Yeah. And so to like, I want to ground this um, and, and really re-anchor into the magnitude of what you're saying, because industry standard currently is still between 12 and 22% mm-hmm. email open rate, right? But your, your average, your average is 150%. Yeah. <laughs> And actually, I just looked at our dashboard across all clients, and it's actually at this moment, like this past week, I think it was 206%. So we're getting better at it. But I always go back to the 150 because I'm just like, okay, you know, things could fluctuate. But but why that is, is because we, we're doing a better job with our clients in helping them identify what this value bomb should be and also really presenting them in a very professional way because that increases people, you know, reconsuming it. So like the strategy is pretty critical in wielding the power of the technology, right? Tech is tech. And in, you know, in the past two years, I mean, recognize like I've been doing this for 11 years and in 2011 was when I really used it for presentations. Um, but in the past two years, probably two to three years, while I was still serving corporations, I would go to conferences and st- I started seeing some people using like texting. And I, I must admit, the first time I like, I cried. I was like, shit, I missed the boat. I've been focused on like corporate corporations who are super conservative. And I'm like banging my head up against... <laughs> wall saying this is the future it's not even this is now and it's just harder you know to to change that direction and meanwhile here entrepreneurs that like to like try new shit and whatever but they were flubbing like it was really poor execution and I reflected back on like when I looked at it it was not only the frustration that they weren't using my technology but it was also like a heartache of, of saying, I know you could do better. Like the $4.2 million for my business, I didn't make, I wasn't bringing in millions of dollars. I had a team of 13 people now. I got a bigger office, you know, all, all, of, those, all of those things, right? So, I mean, when you earn that type of revenue, it's not like it's going into your pocket, right? Um, so I want to set that straight when people hear that. But probably there's two biggest things that it did for me. First, personally, um, I was able to get on stronger financial footing. Like I was finally able to get to a six-figure salary that I was bringing home. And I got married very late when I was 40 years old. And I tried to start my family really late. And we were having, I was having major fertility issues. And as a result of, of this financial you know, cushion and financial space, I was able to spend over $100,000 on my fertility journey. Like my babies, my two babies came from the sex success of this, <laughs> right? This is so beautiful. Like wh- this, one of my favorite mantras is when more good people make good money, more good happens in the world. And yeah. that's just mean, like doing all kinds of crazy stuff out there. It could be something as crazy as realizing your dream of becoming a mother. Yeah. And having the pleasure and honor of being able to carry your babies to full turn and birth them into the world and be with them. Like it's because of the impact that you've made in the world, you were able to be financially nourished to receive your beautiful children. Yeah. And, and the, I was so grateful for that. I was like, wow, this is like incredible. The impact that it could have on an entrepreneur, because even when I started saying, obviously I I started with trying to sell this to corporations first, 
as much as it was great to support them, and I, I and I was targeting the healthcare industry because I have a healthcare background, I have a doctorate in pharmacy, so so that was important to me, and impact was important, using the technology for impact. But on the flip side, I was like, wow, think about the impact that it has on a, an entrepreneur, not only on their business, but on their life, their personal life. You know, I was able to bring my husband on as our director of operations, but that meant like, oh, we love to travel. So now we could work from Italy for six weeks, you know, like all those things. But of all of those like fun things, like, like being able to do 10 rounds of fertility treatment, like it was unheard of. Like literally my doctor's like, what? And I'm like, first of all, I'm an entrepreneur. I can't give up. <laughs> but secondly, um, thank goodness I was, like you said, financially nourished to do that. So from a personal perspective, I looked at that impact and I was like, wow, what I could deliver to people as a result of this stinking system, right? And then on the business side, because of the financial cushion, I was able to realize that I didn't want to do the consulting work anymore. <laughs> I was like, I just built this thing, but I'm like, you know what, actually, it was hard to say, guys, you know what, I'm going to transition off. It took a couple of years because we became like a staple in that world, but I'm going to transition out of this because I want to do this for other companies, for entrepreneurs. And so there was this like slow pivot. I kind of created this like cruise ship that I was like, it wasn't so easy to, to change anymore. And then basically it's like, so it's been ecofiles, ecofiles, eco, you know, that this is like how I was using it. It became really funky. Like talking about connecting to your audience and then using Ecofiles as a brand. It was kind of weird. Um, I struggled with it. I'm like, I need to change the brand. Something's got to happen. And you taught me how to journey, do shamanic journey meditation. And I mean, Mike and I, my husband, like we struggled, like we literally like four days were like, racking up like hours because I remember that particular weekend we were actually driving to Massachusetts and back. Um, and so it's a four hour trip each and we're like, ah, how, what, what is this going to be called? We couldn't do it. And I said, I'm going to go on a journey and see if journey will tell me what it is. And um, for those of you that don't know shamanic journeying, it's kind of like lucid, dreaming, right? You're in this like deep meditative state and you let your subconscious kind of tell you this story and you throw out a question or an intention and you just open yourself up to receiving the messages. And sometimes they're super funky, like a dream, right? Where you're like, okay. And then there was a rabbit that came and the fox and, blah, and then he was eating corn. Like what the heck does that mean, right? But I had this journey that was essentially like this charades trying to explain to me what it was. And it was just like, oh, there was a net. And I was like flinging a, a net of fish over my shoulder and this and that. And I'm just kind of like, like in my journey, I'm like, huh? <laughs> and then apparently journey got so pissed off at me that all of a sudden it blacked out and the words K-E-T-C-H. I am telling you, it like, popped up in front of <laughs> I wish you guys could see how crazy Victoria is. <laughs> oh bugging out like we hit the Super Bowl baby this is, uh, this is amazing I'm so grateful please continue incredible I'm grateful I mean this was an amazing tool such a unique tool to use but I by that point I had been working with you I don't I don't know maybe it was like a year so you know it took time for me to refine this but to also um, develop the confidence that this was a tool to use truly for my business, that this wasn't like a, just a nicey touchy feely, like, oh, it's going to make me feel better thing. I literally was like, shit, we can't figure this out. Let me see if this tool could help me. And there is no question, like my husband, who's a mechanical engineer and was always like, oh, she's doing this like journey thing or whatever. I like the K-E-T-C-H kept pop and I, I like popped out of my journey. I was like, catch, catch. It's like you're catching your interested prospects. You're catching your anonymous fans. It's called catch words. Like all of it was just like, and I ran down to my husband's office and I was like, babe, it's catch, catch. And I told him all this stuff. And he was like, 
whoa, <laughs> you got, he couldn't argue. This came from journey. I mean, he knew how much time and effort we spent on trying to think of it and it just hit the spot. And so, so there was born catch powered by Ecofile. So our thought, you know, everything is registered. Our platform is registered on a federal level as Ecofile. So it was important for us to, to, to kind of do that. But we realized, well, we could have programs that were powered by Ecofiles. And that's how Catch came into. So you asked me for epiphanies. I'm like, oh, girlfriend, I got epiphany after epiphany after epiphany. Make it rain, mama. Oh my gosh. And shout out to Mike. I wish I could have seen the look on his face. When he was a little like, uh, <laughs> like, what do you say? Like, uh, it, it was like proof, right? He was like, I don't know what you're doing, what happened, whatever, but yes, that's on the mark. So keep doing that, whatever. <laughs> go, go ahead on with that Shamalama ding dong. Exactly. <laughs> Whatever you're doing, you know, uh, dancing around a fire pit and journeying and, and talking to trees, girl. <laughs> no, I know. I <laughs> know. It was it was crazy. And so if if I if I may, I'm gonna just show because we've been talking about this and just I feel like it helps people visualize, right? So right now, you know, this is an example of doing it in the digital world where we create these backgrounds for our clients and we create these calls to action for them to use in media interviews and in talks and stuff like that. But this is what a catchword is. It's literally that keyword, we own 411321. So you text a keyword, a catchword, to 411321 to receive what I call a value bomb. And how valuable that value bomb is to your ideal prospect will help determine what your response rate is going to be. Your response rate is what percent of your audience are you going to actually get to respond and, and interact with your call to action. And then it will also determine your open rate. Because we know if this is spot on, then people are going to repeat open because it's a valuable piece of information for them or they're going to share, right? So it's like some really great, super nerdy metrics to be able to understand not only, you know, is the appearance, is the effort of that appearance worth it, but is your messaging right? So for me, I was really about the results because obviously for me, the, the, the impact of using catchwords was not just about having a textable thing, right? It was about actually being able to serve audiences effectively, present things effectively and such. So our approach is an agency approach. Like from my perspective is if, if you're committed to visibility, if you are service-minded, impact-driven, then you know that it's not just about the technology, it's about the, the nuance of how you're going to utilize the technology to really get the best results and deliver the best impact from that interview, for example, right? So I'm going to invite for anybody that that resonates with this, right? Because we could talk about this forever and ever and ever, right? Um, but we don't have enough time, right? So if you are a speaker, if you have speaking gigs coming up, if you have interviews coming up, right? Every single time you are missing out on connecting with those anonymous fans, right? So you could just get a feel as to what our, our strategy is by texting leads, L-E-A-D-S, to 411321. And you're going to get my, my value bomb, which is this guide on how to transform your talk into a lead generating machine. It gives you kind of a flavor of some of the foundational strategies that, that we share. And I want you guys to be able to kind of understand like our style and, and, and how we do it. Um, and if for those of your, um, of your listeners that are international, they could actually text leads as a message to plus one nine oh nine. 7411321. So that's plus one nine oh nine seven four one one three two one. That's a long code or a phone number. But if you text leads to any of those, it's going to ask for your email address and then we'll deliver what? You'll be able to see what your audience will experience. You get a text saying, hey, check your email. <laughs> there so let's do this. Oh, text leads. Now you've probably done it before. So what's kind of interesting about it is because we own this platform 411321 
411321. Yep. And then the 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 message will be your catch word leads, L-E-A-D-S in this case, right? L-E-A-D-S. Yeah. Now, what's fun for you is because you've texted a catchword before, we won't even ask you for your email address again because you're in our system. So we're immediately going to deliver the text, the email, and the attachment. And some people are like, oh my gosh, is this voodoo? Like, how, how did I get this like within That's seconds? Amazing. So like, I love how intelligent the technology is. It says, you already subscribed to Lee's, but we'll have, we're happy to resend that info. Check your email. This is Fabulous. And then I'm going to open my email. <laughs> Super Live fun. Demo, your request, your guide to transforming your talk into a lead generating machine. Gorgeously designed. Yes, yes. And then there goes the PDF. Bam, bam, bam. Oh, Mary, baby. There it is. <laughs> right, seven page, gorgeously formatted PDF. Like, yeah, and we designed that yeah. for you. So what I have, what I found is it's very important for so somebody's intrigued by your message, right? Now you want them to really be wowed when they text for your information, right? So in in the beginning, in the beginning, um, I would just ask the client, you know, do you have a PDF? Um, they would give it to me, and there were a couple things. I'd be like, oh, this is. This is not really a good thing to transition. I like I could in, inherently, I I knew intuitively that that it wasn't the right marketing piece. Um, one thing that experts do, not one thing, a lot of us, <laughs> we do a lot of things, right? But um, one of the things that's really detrimental to us is experts tend to share a lot of information, so much information that we unintentionally make people feel that they could actually do the thing themselves, right? We, it's like we over-educate and strategically, we, we don't realize that we're just actually teaching the person to be like a, a content <laughs> muncher, binger, right? And to feel like, oh man, I can watch enough of Victoria's videos and I'm going to figure this out. Ultimately, I'm going to like put it together and I don't have to sign up. Program. Right here. All fingers point at Victoria. Guilty of that one. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's teaching people to um, stick with the like, I love Tony Robbins, but one of his mantras is the learning never stops. And many times when I'm speaking, I, I mention that quote because I'm like, OK, if the learning never stops. When does the action taking and application begin? Yeah. So yeah. This, this is so key. Like Wanda, I think you're seamlessly transitioning into this because there are journeypreneurs listening in right now who could be throwing in the towel, you know, of like, I don't understand it. I'm a content generation machine. <laughs> I know. It's too much. You're literally so think of it as this. So you go to a restaurant family style, right? And they drop the friggin' onion rings or the the onion bloom and you're like la, 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 to the point where like you don't even have the appetite for the entree this is true this right is true. what advice like like what's the is the right first next step if that's what our journeypreneurs are experiencing like where they've they've been dropping onion blooms left and right and they have you know steak <laughs> dinner back here that actually is the the real money maker for the restaurant but no people are just onion blooms onion blooms left in what do they do um what would what advice would you give because like your story you've shared some really powerful key points of how you're able to move through mm -hmm. um that like what what should we i mean definitely please leave that up by the way don't take that down like, <laughs> one, one three two one but is there anything else um, that you would want to say to a journeypreneur listening in who's like kind of at the end of their rope with frustration around being a content generator, but the conversions aren't there. Yeah, the biggest thing is to kind of reverse back and think strategy, right? Um, it, it seems a little frustrating to kind of like cool your jets, right? And think strategy, but what, what's going to happen is like in our process, for example, 
we literally take the client back to saying, okay, let's think, what is your product? You may have like five bazillion products. And first of all, I don't recommend that you do have five bazillion products, but let's boil it down. What is the one product that you have in the back of your head that your intention is to sell? Like everything has to be nurturing to create the appetite for this product. And if you don't know what it is, right? So take, for example, if you take the food, right? The, uh, you would know this. I never, I never know what the, what's the mouge bouge or what, you know, when they give you the little, little appetizer, but a it's mousse, like, a mousse what is it? Bouche, a mousse bouche. A mousse bouche. Okay. So that is strategically created by the chef to entice the right taste buds, right? It's the right transition into what you're going to do. And then eat. And it's important enough to even give you like that lemon sorbet to clean out your, <laughs> clean off your, your palate so that you're ready for the next thing, right? That's strategy. When you're talking about like, this is the person that really thought this experience through, right? So when you step back with the strategy, you can still deliver lots of content that is valuable to your audience, but by one, identifying what the target product is and always keeping that in the back of your head, right? In the back of your mind, then you're going to refine two people. You have your ideal prospect and your ideal client. Like this is something that's a little Wanda weirdo, okay? Because people tend to use these words like interchangeably, right? But ideal prospect is the person that's in the audience, actively like feels the pain. Like, you know, it, like you're in a, you know, coffee shop or networking event and you can hear that conversation like, woo girl, I can help you, but they're not ready to buy. So there are certain things that you know about them that make them ideal, but they're not an ideal client yet because they're not ready to say yes. The ideal client is that person, but, but they're finally ready to say yes. And remember, I'm a nerd. So if you analyze that journey, like what, what happened to that ideal client to finally make them ready to say yes, right? It's usually either they're overcoming certain beliefs that they have, or they're overcoming knowledge gaps, those two things. And so if we nerd out together and we evaluate, identify ideal prospect, ideal client, and and that, analyze that journey, that is your marketing content. Everything that you teach should be aligned with that because you're still serving, but now you're serving with the purpose of nurturing somebody that may be a little bit interested, that's sharing the pain, and now you're getting them to the next step, warming them up and warming them up. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. And so on, on my end, like, I'm learning so much from you because I've decided to invest in your program. Like you outlined, but I've never heard anyone talk about the difference between an ideal prospect versus an ideal client before. And that's changing the game for me because like, I, I thought it was all about my ideal client orienting to them, but there's a whole uh, knowledge bridge to be built between the two, um, yes. especially around uh, articulating the problem so that they can have those big dominoes to go down of each of the big problems that they face to clarify how much they actually need to invest in my target product. But all of this types of stuff is coming from you. And I've paid around a good $250,000 in coaching before I came to you. <laughs> Literally, I had I had one client literally say to me, "This was BK before Catch." Yeah, <laughs> baby. Yes, 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 yes. I was like, "Oh, I, I, I love it." But, um, yeah, this is really important because think about it. So the tool itself is the gear to to fish and pick the right people, right? So if in your mind you're totally focused on the ideal client. The only people that you're going to be speaking to, the language that you're going to use and everything is going to talk to the person that's already on that part of the spectrum and you're leaving behind the other people, right? But if you use the language that speaks to the ideal prospect, you include everybody because the ideal client is still the ideal prospect, right? They've just kind of 
progressed a little a little bit more, right? So, for example, when we learn a lot about speaking um, to sell and you know, the perfect webinar and all that jazz, which I totally love, the thing is, is that, um, and I'm just going to turn this off for a second. Sure. I'll put it back on before the end. Um, but the thing about that is the whole workup of the perfect webinar is to speak to the ideal client because the ideal client or it, they're basically in the final step, right? What can you do in an hour, hour and a half? Like it's the person that's towards the end of the journey and you're just warming them up and bam, like now they're ready to buy, right? But it leaves behind all those other people. So what I do still using the perfect webinar structure in the middle of my talk, when I'm doing the educational part that I know will serve everybody, I say, guys, I wish I had enough time. I could go on forever. But if this resonates with you, I actually created a complimentary guide that talks about X, Y, Z, right? So I have multiple catchwords in my webinars. I have a different catchword because then I know those people are the people that not only signed up for my webinar, but they were engaged in the middle of my webinar. It's like you, it's kind of like having your own Facebook pixel inside your own <laughs> presentation. Look, let me have my own Facebook pixel, like rather than having to put it, uh, look into Facebook for it. This is amazing. Lonnie. Yeah. And then of course, if you want to super nerd out, then you have the people that bought and then you have the, the Delta, the difference. Everybody that texted my catch word minus the people that bought those people are my ideal prospects that need to get nurtured, right? So in, in our pro program, for example, we just launched um, this nurturing sequence, right? So somebody texts, and I didn't have this when I had my consulting business. I must say, even though we hit 4.2 million in revenue, I was really shitty at the follow-up. And that was being crappy at the follow-up, right? So, uh, so I'm admitting, guys, we're all there. It's like, oh, okay, so give me an avalanche of leads that I'm not going to be able to do anything with, right? So for our pro clients, these are the people that are committed to showing up. Like I would rather say you stay in your Zoe, your zone of excellence, and then let the system do the work of the nurturing, right? So <laughs> she's dancing. Do, 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 do. I'm dancing because I'm like, I'm, I'm dancing on the resale because I'm like, ah, that's what I Yes. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Right. <laughs> so what happens here, and you know, the program that that you have is when somebody texts your catchword, then they're automatically because remember, this call to action says to receive, transform your talk into a lead gen machine, and future expert tips on mastering every physical and digital appearance. Right. This is important, guys. Like this, all of this nuance. This is like actual compliance guidelines. Right. This is our job to know the things because we actually get audited, right? So this is our job. You want to play like the big game? This is the big game, but you don't have to worry about all of this stuff. This is the, the beauty of like working with experts. Like I love to work with other experts and other, even though I'm a super ner nerdo tinkerer, um, I'm finally like releasing that because we could figure out all, all only so much, right? But the experts are living and breathing this, right? So all of this is like super, like we know what needs to be changed, whatever, right? But the point is this gives you permission to reconnect. And so in the pro program, people text your catchword, and then you determine like based on what the follow-up content is, which by the way, is driven by that knowledge bridge, that knowledge journey, right? So, <laughs> so that follow-up is strategic, but you might say, okay, the first follow-up, which is a text, an email and a PDF, right? It's not a regular, it's not a promo email. So it's different. And I'm not telling people to not do their promo emails, right? Think of that. That's like, it's high frequency, but low impact, right? This is low frequency, but high impact. Right? So you're dropping these value bombs and, and, and the open rates on those using my old numbers are 75%. But recently, like I was just looking they're they're going well above 90% now because we're working with our clients to make sure that each one of those value bombs are really serving because then who, 
then they're going to reconsume it. And then by the way, across our entire system, I'm throwing out all these numbers, but I want people to understand, like, it's very common for people to opt out of texting campaigns, like super common. I mean, we've all done it, right? Annoying, stop, right? So less than 2% across all of our clients, we have a less than 2% unsubscribe rate. Right. Incredible. It's incredible, but it's kind of lo logical, right? Like if you're serving people, if you're not thinking about yourself and you're analyzing how to serve people, they're going to gobble it up. Like I, my goal, I tell, I, I say, look, we want your people, your subscribers to be like, thank you. How many times, you know what I mean? Not, not like oh, they sent me another like text about another Facebook live that they're doing. Like, I, like, I'm not going to listen to you anymore. It's true. Oh my goddess. Right. So we have to really be aware about how we use, like texting is very personal and like, we get really super excited about being able to use this because it's like, ah, now I get to go in their phone. Right. But we have to put ourselves in their position. And if we do that and respect that, they're going to stay with us longer. Mm. You know, that's super duper important. And I just realized, I apologize. I am supposed to be on, on a call with somebody. I didn't realize we were going so over. Oh my God. So like, Wanda, let's then wrap this up. We may even have to have you back for a round two. Cause <laughs> know that the, like we have barely scratched the surface. Oh my gosh. Oh my goddess. And thank you for like super overgiving, like just the, the avalanche of value. Again, yeah. everyone, please make sure that you text leads to four one one three two one. Um, and so like, is it, is, is it all right if I land the plane or? Do yeah, you absolutely. Let's do it. Okay. Let's do it. So because you know, God is time. Gotta go and be a God to more people. Fabulous. So for everyone that's tuning into the Journeypreneur podcast, if this is the first time that you have come, hi, thanks for stopping by. Make sure you hit subscribe on iTunes or on Podbean to make sure that you are following along and get the notifications first every time one of these episodes is syndicated. Yes. Uh, and by the way, while you're there, leave us a five-star review so that we know what spoke to you make sure you put episode 176 wanda Torini. like we like we don't even have enough time to be able to to talk about how incredible all of the value that she's dropped us but i want to hear in your review what blessed you because that not only supports me in knowing what speaks to you for shaping the content going forward but letting all of the greater community know that this is a powerful place to receive nourishment and inspirations yeah being said we're going to tie this episode up with the same way we do every time. Please remember to enjoy the journey. Do not lose your glow as you grow in life and business. And we'll see you in the next podcast episode. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thank you.